2: Hey, welcome back to Money in the Air, the Neighboring Rights Podcast by us at IFR. That's the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Stacey. I'm back today. Gina's with us and Tanya, who's our new fixture. We're so happy. Today's special guest though is Liam. Liam's an artist. Give us your band name again.
0: Rival Shadows.
2: Rival Shadows. Go and check them out and then follow them on social media. Liam is really important to us because he asks us the questions that we take for granted the things that most artists have no clue about and we just run right over it so this is your show today Liam what's the very first question you want to ask us
0: well I guess I would say my first question is who really are the IFR
2: Mostly people who work in the neighboring rights arena and have found tremendous problems and have come together to lobby for changes in legislation around the world and within the organizations that collect this royalty around the world. I personally am not a representative, but I am a lawyer. So I have been on the fighting end, fighting for the royalty for artists, but musicians, independent label owners, DIY artists who own their own recordings, anybody who is played on a recording or owns a recording and is entitled to a royalty when it's played in public should be a member of IFR and should be collecting their neighboring rights royalties. And IFR exists because they're not. So we want to teach you what the royalty is and how you can collect it. So does that help you understand what the neighbouring rights
0: royalty is? Not not too much, because really, my knowledge of royalties, full stop, is not great. I think it's the same for, for many artists. And I think the reason is, when it comes to royalties, it's attached to streams. And the general perception of streams is that they're worth nothing. There's not a lot of time. And when you look at the subject matter, it's really dense. We'd much rather be spending that time actually making music and playing music. So to invest that amount of time, the return on that doesn't seem like it's 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 worthwhile standing royalties is the sort of bigger subject that is probably the most important to tackle and then from there as a side you can get into neighbouring rights which obviously there's a lot of potential to earn some money and to uh, keep yourself afloat with
3: so neighbouring rights is a royalty due to the performers and the rights holders of a given track whenever it's broadcast on terrestrial radio or terrestrial television so if you're ever watching the BBC ITV Channel 4 in other words a blanketed TV show even like a local university town kind of radio station you can't get neighboring rights royalties from streaming however you can in spain and hungary and those two countries which is great and ifr is involved in lobbying with a european organization called pay performers you should check them out just hashtag pay performers and we're making some headway in other countries hopefully sweden will follow suit very soon well worth getting signed up with ppl so ppl is the neighboring rights society in the uk you might have heard of ppl and it's free to join and register I assume you own your own masters as well, Liam. You have to kind of register twice, once as a performer, once as a rights holder. So then you register your ISRCs and then you attach yourself as a performer. You would be a contracted featured artist, which generates more royalties than a session musician, which falls under non-featured artists.
2: Do you want this to be your career? Yeah. You want to make money from it? Yes. Then it is part of your business to learn about royalties and we're teaching you about one royalty stream that you have to do a minimum amount of work today for money that might come in anytime your music is played in public not streaming you're entitled to a royalty do a little bit of the work now and then when you get famous and you have a bigger catalog hire a representative to do that work for you don't say that you want it to be your career if you're not willing to work to earn the money you would never tell your boss don't pay me i'll do that for free look at all your titles go to ppl and register as the rights holder and as the performer and if you find it difficult call one of us and we'll mm-hmm. sit on the phone with you while you're doing the registration and help you answer the questions
1: i'll uh, i'll hold you to that it's like a lot of work but it isn't the key is organization i would suggest that you sit down and you just write a list of everything that you've recorded on or Start it off with some metadata. That's that's the best thing. And we can send you a, we can provide a blank metadata sheet. Fill in the details. It will just literally be the basics of each track that you've recorded. You need the title. You need the year of recording. You need the ISRC, which is a unique code to that recording. And again, that can be provided for you if you're a PPL member or it might already have one if you've recorded it. Make a list of all of those. And once you've got that information, it's not nearly as daunting as it seems to actually go and claim your repertoire. You need to be a member of both. As Tanya said, you need to be a performer member. You need to be a rights holder member. But what you can do is claim yourself if you're entering the recording on as a sound master copyright owner to PPL. You can claim yourself as a performer at the same time and do it all in one go. Once it's there, it's there and you haven't got to keep going back to it. You've registered it. You've registered your contribution if you performed more than one role on that track you list them all you don't just list one you don't list it as instruments to cover a multiple of um, of various options you list every contribution that you've made and then you're done and you move on to the next one and you can revisit it maybe twice a year just make sure you're up to date with it you you all make it sound so simple
0: just
3: spend one afternoon compiling all of your data registering make sure you've got a valid uk driver's license because ppl will need to see proof of your address your date of birth and your signature if you don't have a driver's license then you can submit your passport and a recent utility bill within the last three months and it was a good point that stacy made earlier about public performance i i missed that out when i was giving my explanation you also get neighboring rights royalties from business premises that play music so like gyms hairdressers pubs clubs you name it that's where i um,
0: thought prs came into the year. Uh...
2: let's take it right back so <laughs> you have rights in various different things. When you write a song, yeah. you have a right in the composition. That's that C in the circle that you put to yeah. claim the copyright in the writing of it, the lyrics and the music. The compositions go through PRS. Okay. What we're talking about is completely separate. Once you write the song and then you record it, that's called your phonographic recording. And that's why it has a P in a circle. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. So they're totally separate things. It has nothing to do with you as a songwriter, the neighboring rights royalty, but it's called neighboring rights, because it sits next to, it lives next door to the songwriting royalty that PRS collects. But it's your recording royalty for public performance versus the songwriting royalty for public performance. If you open up a shop tomorrow and you're going to play recorded music or the radio in your shop, you need a license from both PRS and PPL. And when you do a gig and a venue plays your recorded music before you play live, you're entitled to that, to the neighboring rights royalty for
0: that. I've basically mentioned it in the past I think in a conversation I've had with yourself Stacey about what I personally use so I use just to fill you you two in I use CD Baby Pro to collect mm-hmm. the royalty side what side of that are they collecting and what side are they not collecting
3: that's publishing they're collecting your songwriting royalties so your PRS
2: is CD Baby also your distributor for the recordings
0: yeah that's the only channel I really go through
2: okay so they will give you the ISRC numbers
0: yes yeah yeah they yeah
2: okay and so is the pro part the publishing part because I didn't even know that was a thing cool yeah it is it's
3: a new thing yeah
2: that's great good so I'm learning too thanks does CD Baby collect and register neighboring rights with PPL no no okay so that's good to know as well CD Baby distributes
3: your stuff digitally and physically if you have that option they publish you but then separately you independently have to do your neighboring rights and join PPL and as Gina was saying which is a great point it's a once it's just a one-off thing you just register your track once and you don't have to redo it or renew you join once you register a track once that is it
0: okay that's good
2: unless you're success really successful and somebody licenses the track and puts it out on a compilation or in a movie and a soundtrack album then you have to register those additional isrc numbers because you want to get paid on every version Uh and if you do a remix or a remaster and you have a new isrc number register those two you do covers you can register your cover recordings with ppl but you couldn't register them at prs because you didn't write them Mm -hmm.
0: Ah, so how much are we i guess in a percentage term how much are we really ignoring then as musicians when you take ppl out of the equation
3: a lot. of say half of your royalties or potential royalties.
0: I didn't expect it to be that much, and that just that that stuff sort of goes under the radar because, like I say, a lot of the the marketed stuff and a lot of the stuff that is mentioned to musicians, at least on the the distribution side, is is all tied to the uh, the P R S side. And if that's that's being claimed, that's being claimed, that's great. But the P P L side is something that I'm completely new to as a term, and instantly that's essentially doubled, like what I can take back from the music and just.
1: The thing is, you never know which track it is that's going to be the one that's going to bring in the money. Obviously, the ones that played on the radio, we all know they're going to be great. But there can be some surprises, some that get played that you're not even aware of. And you would be doubling up because you would be collecting the label share and would be collecting your performer share as well. Because it's free to join both, because it's free to register, because it's easy once you get into it and get going. There really isn't any reason why you shouldn't do it. Because the only person that's missing out is you. The
0: PPL to be free straight from the off, it seems uh, seems like a no-brainer. And it's, uh, it's really strange how, well, for one, I didn't know about it. And as far as I'm aware, a lot of my friends as well aren't, aren't actually aware of it.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today, Liam. Thank you, ladies. This has been Thank a pleasure you. as always. Everybody, join IFR, ifr.co.uk. Go to the membership section. All the information we talked about is there. So you can have a refresher. Thanks for listening. See you next week.